0: hello and welcome to the Genius Podcast. Uh, Today's topic, I'm going to be covering the topic of sleep. Um, Now, I have covered this before on a podcast, but I wanted to just revisit this content because um, it's quite interesting um, in this time of year when the you know, the amount of light in the evenings is changing, the clocks are moving, and like you know, it's getting a lot darker in the evenings. And our attention turns to our sleep patterns and how that can be adjusted with this sort of shifting um, of the sort of night and day time that's happening. And also, I know a lot of people have been dealing with quite a bit of stress and upheaval with everything, and there's still this uncertainty around where we are with regards to lockdown and what's happening um, and what the future is going to look like going into winter. And I know that stress can cause people to have less sleep, so I thought great to jump on and just share some tips and some insights from our sleep genius guides it's in the genius network and um, give a little insight into maybe some of these tips that might help you get a better night's sleep so first off um i love sort of thinking about the intention of why we sleep so why do we sleep Um, Much of the time um, we we know we need to do it, but do we know exactly what's going on and and how important sleep is? And it can be a bit of a revelation for us if we look at, you know, exactly what's um, what's going on when we sleep and think we actually will probably give it a little bit more uh, importance and also maybe prioritise it that little bit more as well. So the first sort of process that's happening when we sleep um, is, you know, restoration and repair. So there's a huge amount of processes going on in our body and in our brains um, during the day. And you can appreciate with that, there's maybe a little bit of wear and tear that's happening. And sleep really is this opportunity for our body to just wind down and for some of those rest and restorative um, processes to take place. Um, So our muscles, if there's any tear, or anything like that wear and tear that's happened during the day we can repair that damage Um, and also we can sort of reset our hormone balances and a lot of our hormones go through a sort of regulatory um, phase during our sleep where we sort of regulate those levels sort of bring those levels back to um, a sort of steady uh, normal or even even keel as it were and um, a lot of our immune response sort of side of things as well is um, sort of kicks in uh, during our sleep as well and we do that sort of res- restoration and repair work of our immune system as well so um, it really does uh, help in all different manners of different ways in our bodies and um, for brain function, definitely. Um, many of us will know the effects of not getting enough sleep. We'll have that brain fog. We'll feel kind of fuzzy-headed. Um, we just can't focus or concentrate. We feel ourselves sort of uh, attention drifting here, there, and everywhere. We're very distractible. Um, this is really because um, during a good night's sleep, we actually do a lot of rest and repair. Uh, and help our brains um, have a little bit of downtime to um, you know, just basically get a bit of repair and time off um, to to do all of its restorative functions overnight. And then when we don't get enough of that, that's when we can be a little bit foggy, a little bit um, sort of woolly-headed, as it were, because um, we just haven't had that time. We haven't had that downtime to allow our brain to do these processes that help keep it in really good nick and keep it in uh, good working order. Um Learning is another one. So um, we may think that we did a lot of learning when we were at school and we maybe don't need so much of that anymore, but you have to remember that during your busy, busy days, all of the experiences that you um you have during your day and all of the activities that you've done during your day are building a form of memory um, so those conversations you've had at work those um, emails you dealt with those conversations you had with your partner that discussion you had with your child that experience you maybe had um, on your walk or your run that day um, your brain wants to sift through all of this information and decide what is important to retain for future reference and what is not and it needs this important downtime in the evening to be able to do that um, it's where it consolidates memory improves your concentration and improves your mental recall so the filing of all of these memories so ever had a thought where you're trying to remember something and you it's almost like your brain can't retrieve the file um that's what's happening when we're sleeping we're laying down these memories we're learning from our experiences we're not just um learning from the the day's experiences but we're also collating them in and uh, combining them with our existing memories about those particular things and that assimilation is what is going on when we're at sleep and so it's really important that we get that um, good enough downtime for that to be done thoroughly uh, and properly so that we can have that mental recall we can actually help um, you know sort all those files and put them in the right place so that we can find them in future when we need them So when we're not getting enough sleep, all of these these areas really struggle. Um, and really really have a bit of an issue if any of you are interested in, in finding out a little bit more of the detail of it um, then you need to watch uh, Matthew Walker's TED talk, it's absolutely incredible, um, he, he wrote the book um, Why We Sleep and it's really really interesting to hear the, the science behind it and a lot of the research that has developed in this area um, he also talks about you know the alarmingly bad things that happen when you don't get enough sleep um, when we have uh, sleep deprivation and some of the scary effects of it. Um, That leads me nicely on to my next point, (laughs) which is um, just thinking about, um, you know, scary effects of sleep deprivation. But what I want to touch on briefly is where did it all start? So we used to you know rise with the sun and and sleep with the sunset and this used to be our natural rhythm we were very much in tune with our natural environment and we didn't really knowingly restrict our sleep patterns we are one of the only species that does knowingly restrict our sleep patterns when a dog's tired it if it can it will go away and get sleep it it knows it's sleepy and it will go away and get sleep we unfortunately humans decide that um we can resist sleep, and we actually, you know, restrict it. The average really for a human adult is about eight hours, is, is the required amount of good quality deep sleep that we need to have. Um, but many of us, you know, could be a range anywhere between seven, nine, even maybe 10 hours a night. I know some people, I know that they just need 10 hours, that is just their, that's their, <laughs> their amount, that's what they need. Um, I sit around eight slash maybe nine, um, and I have frequently uh in my life uh knowingly been in sleep in a sleep deprived state for periods of months um, if not years, sometimes um, trying to power through on six hours and all of that kind of thing, and I think that stemmed from really you know a lot of the press that is around or the literature that you you see in blogs and content and et cetera et cetera about you know business and and about you know grafting and about you know not being ambitious if you're sleeping you know being sl- sleeping is being lazy when um, really as I as I talk through this podcast you'll probably understand that sleep is actually an incredible superpower. Um, and can actually really help you function and be way more productive and way more attentive um, if you do get enough sleep and you're actually um, sort of yeah causing yourself a problem <laughs> holding yourself back by not getting enough sleep and trying to power through and and do the uh, the super macho five hours a night sort of thing. Um, it's very, very rare that um, anyone is can actually function well on that. You know, there's the famous Margaret Thatcher. She slept for four hours a night. Um, there are, there is about 5% of the population that can um, actually get away with that. Um, but many of us, um, it's eight hours or, or around that is what we need. So we're kind of fooling ourselves to think that all of us can get away with that um, when only 5% of the population really can uh, can get away on five or six. Um So this whole sort of restriction on sleep began, um, really stems back to the industrial revolution, believe it or not. You know, factory owners wanted to maximise productivity from their factories, Um, therefore the workers had to adhere to strict shift patterns, um, and these were created from a need for productivity rather than a need for healthy human sleep. It wasn't really um, factoring in the human element, it was really looking at maximising productivity and the shift patterns required of factories. So when we think about actually where our sleep behaviour and patterns have come from in the last two, three hundred years that's where it stemmed from not from our natural needs to do that so unfortunately this has sort of ruled our productivity habits um, ever since and you can see a lot of people trying to squeeze every minute out of every day um for fear of fear of missing out or um you know, not having enough time and, and sleep is falling the victim of this mentality, unfortunately. So I wanted to cover a few of the scary sort of consequences of sleep deprivation. And um, one of them is uh, quite alarmingly is what's called micro sleep. So these are where your brain has been deprived of the much needed restore um, and repair um Physiological uh, state that it needs at night, where it is going into that rest and repair state, um, and actually what it's trying to do is is almost nap into a, a deep steep, deep sleep state. During the day in order to be able to fulfill these functions that it hasn't had enough time to do during the night. So it does actually mean that in um, these very short micro-sleeps, what happens is you are actually going into the same physiological or very similar physiological state as if you were completely out for the count and conscious asleep. Um, But you're doing this during the day now we do lots of things during the day one of the most alarming things that we will probably uh, be doing uh, while we micro is driving and it does mean that we are traveling at maybe 70 miles an hour if we click out for five seconds um, having a micro while we're driving while we're traveling say we're traveling at 70 miles an hour um, we've roughly covered 150 meters completely unconsciously which is absolutely terrifying um and so if we do if you do ever register that you're having these sort of micro sleeps where you kind of zone out and you are pretty much unconscious like you've just not taken in what's just happened in the last five ten seconds Um, these might be micro sleeps and so these are a really really crucial sign for you to step up and and see that your brain is actually asking you and trying to maintain its function and its health by having these sort of micro sleeps during the day so do make sure that if you do notice that that you do make some time to prioritize sleep it's really really important Um, and that is one of the key signs um, that you may be suffering from a bit of sleep deprivation. Other, some other interesting um, scary effects which people might notice is, I don't know if you've ever had a couple of bad nights sleep and then found yourself gravitating towards um, bread and carbohydrates and sugary stuff and things to boost your energy and you feel constantly hungry and you can't seem to satisfy your appetite. Um, a really interesting thing is um, that people with insufficient sleep are 50% more likely to become obese um this is because sleep uh deprivation triggers an increase in a secretion of a chemical called ghrelin it's a hormone which stimulates appetite essentially basically essentially makes you crave carbs okay it's going to make you want a carbo load like nobody's business and um it, it kind of will create this craving i'm sure many of you are can resonate with this feeling um and it is basically making you obviously crave these sort of high sugar high carbohydrate style foods um in you know because of a result of sleep deprivation. If you get a really good night's sleep, these levels of ghrelin are far more near normal levels and they're not as elevated as usual. So it's definitely something to consider that, you know, if any of you are doing anything where you're losing weight or you're trying to regulate your weight and you find yourself maybe craving those carb-rich things, um, are you getting enough sleep? Are you having enough good quality sleep um, or is that ghrelin hormone coursing through your veins and making you go after um, the cakes? Um, If that's the case, then maybe something to have a look at, have a look at your sleep patterns. I certainly recognize it. If I haven't had a couple of good night's sleep, I am all over all the biscuits, all the cakes, all the bread I could eat and pasta. Um, and the vegetables could just go off and do something else, um, I'm totally focused on carbs. So I do really notice it, and it's one of the signs that I have another sort of red flag, as it were, that I am maybe a little bit sleep-deprived and need to get a really good uh, couple of 40 winks. Um, the brain as well um, really does suffer from um, sleep deprivation. We've already talked about microsleeps, which is one of the concerning um, sort of symptoms of it. Um, but another important thing is an um, uh, important function of sleep is the restorative functions that happen to the brain. Um, it's estimated that brain nearly uses 40% of your um, body's resting calorie requirements. So 40% of the calories you eat every single day, your brain is using up. So for the size of the organ that it is, um, it's about 2% of your body weight. It is incredibly hungry. It uses a lot of energy. There are a lot of metabolic processes, a lot of physiological processes happening in your brain. Um, and with all that energy being Burn up there are going to be inevitable waste products um, and during sleep the brain is uh, basically flooded with cerebral fluid which cleanses the brain and removes waste products that have accumulated during the day um, and the if we are sleep deprived we don't get enough of this sleep and we don't get enough of that clearing of the waste product and it begins to accumulate and there is some research um, linking um, sleep deprivation and maybe the risk of alzheimer's and other things other neurological disorders like that um, because of this waste product accumulating and not being properly cleared so it definitely is something that they're looking into a lot more and it is something to be really concerned about um, having a look at as well finally another sort of I found this fascinating. I couldn't believe that, uh, basically, when we're uh, sleep-deprived, our... Ability to be empathetic is reduced, okay, so we're less empathetic if we haven't had a good night's sleep. Uh, I don't know if anyone else uh, resonates with this themselves, but if you've had a really bad night's sleep, you kind of feel like you're in self-preservation mode, you're just looking after you, you can be quite self-centred, and you can be quite lacking in empathy for others, and uh, research has shown that that is actually the case, that that is sort of what happens when we are sleep deprived. We do um, sort of lack this empathy, um, and Also, sleep deprivation can cause some sort of physical discomfort. So, we can feel a bit sluggish, we can feel a bit achy, a bit headachy, um, and these feelings sort of blunt our ability to relate to others as well. Um, And when we're tired, you know, we don't have the energy for those um, emotional conversations or those emotionally charged conversations. We're really in that state of self preservation and we're, we're less resourced to help. Um, each other we're also quite irritable so um, that's usually not great for connection and for empathy and uh, those kind of conversations with with other people so definitely um some really sort of scary sort of silent things almost we maybe don't realize that these are the things that are going on um but it's it's definitely going on in the background there and sleep can be like i say this sort of wonder drug that um if we did get enough of it it would have these ripple effects of of all in all of these areas and really really benefit us in so many so many ways so thinking about um you know how so how do we improve sleep i'm all about how okay the knowledge is one thing and the insight is one another and the self-reflection and the self-awareness i hope from going through some of these um areas you sort of resonate with a few of them and realize that some of them maybe flag up and you can start to be very aware that when those feelings of um you know irritability or micro sleeps or craving carbs or feeling foggy headed not able to concentrate Um, when you feel those you take proactive action so you look at how you can improve your sleep and how you can get a better night's sleep and there's three sort of key areas that i thought were interesting to focus on and have a look at Um, again if you're a member with our our genius network we dive into this a lot more detail and there's a lot more questions um, and sort of a questionnaire sort of going through each of these steps but i wanted to cover them briefly um, to give you some insight into some of the factors that can be at play and some of the areas of control where you can actually make some changes so um, the first one I want to talk about is reducing your uh, chemical stimulants so um, energy drinks and caffeine have a lot to answer for for our our poor sleep practices and our uh, struggle to get to sleep um, in the evenings. Um, We can improve, secondly we can improve our environment, so this is this choice architecture that I've talked about before, um, changing our environment, making it very um, pro-sleep and um, really anti-distraction, anti- Sort of uh, restricting our sleep and uh, finally mastering an evening routine and looking at those key areas. So I'm going to just touch on a few of these as I sort of talk through them and hopefully there's some takeaways for you and some insights into exactly what's going on. So again, with li- thinking about um, chemical stimulants, the, it, the first one really, the culprit is, is caffeine. Um, I know a lot of people. Um, that drink coffee throughout the day Um, and that's absolutely your choice that's no problem but I think it's interesting to understand how caffeine actually works in your brain so many of us probably think that caffeine is like you know a shot of a a sort of a stimulant a a perk us up it's it's got a chemical in it. it the chemical is is something that that perks us up boosts us up and uh, you know raises our our energy levels Um, but actually what it is happening is um, it's actually a blocker um, in your brain so what I mean by a blocker is that there is a chemical during the day that um, is part of signaling to our brain when it's ready to go to sleep and that chemical is called adenosine so what happens is um, the levels are particularly low in the morning and as our day sort of ticks along um, these adenosine levels uh, sort of rise and accumulate over the day causing our neural activity to slow down and helping us feel increasingly sleepy and this triggers um helps us trigger you know when we need to go to sleep um, and actually helps us um you know uh know when we're ready to to go to bed um But caffeine's a little bit cheeky, so what it does is it binds perfectly to the adenosine receptors. Now, um, not to dive into too much of the physiology here, but a receptor is almost like a sensor. If you can imagine in your brain, you've got little sensors for all different types of chemicals, and the sensor that is picking up these adenosine levels that are rising during the day um, is the way that it signals to us. So as these levels rise, that sensor picks up those high levels, and that triggers us to feel sleepy. Now, if we put a blocker over that sensor, it's almost as if the sensor isn't picking anything up. It can't pick anything up. We've covered it, as it were, if you think. If you put a cover over a sensor, then it can't detect anything. And that's really what caffeine's doing. So the adenosine levels could be rising, which usually trigger us to go to sleep, feel a little bit drowsy, Um, but the caffeine is covering this receptor, and so this sensor. So we're none the wiser. We don't know that we're feeling drowsy, that these adenosine levels are um, increasing. Um, so it's basically with, without adenosine sort of doing its thing as well, um, Other hormones um, are more able to get up to mischief and this includes dopamine, adrenaline, the famous fight or flight hormone and glutamate. And these chemicals are making you feel so stimulated and awake and this is the real effect of caffeine on your brain. So um, it's, it's in the numbing out of your brain or the silencing or the covering of the sensor as it were that is causing you to feel more alert because you're not able to feel these increasing levels of adenosine however what those levels are doing is actually you know triggering to you to say okay nick time to go to sleep now we're a bit tired we've been up for quite a while Um, so there's a lot more to talk about with caffeine but definitely just think about it in terms of that think about it blocking this sensor so the alarm can't go off to tell you to go to sleep um and it can't tell you that you're feeling groggy because you won't feel it because that's triggered by the sensor picking up these levels and caffeine is covering them up so something to think about definitely looking at caffeine so some takeaways from that can be you know setting a a a time after which you don't have caffeine um so i have sort of 12 o'clock is my cut off after 12 i'm on to sort of fruit teas water um and decaffeinated um normal tea um because i don't want to i don't want i want all of that caffeine to actually clear off those sensors over time which it does um ready for me to be going to sleep at you know nine ten o'clock at night so that's that's one thing that's really really important um Another important thing is light exposure. So thinking about um, your blue light exposure especially. So this is where phones are becoming a bit of a culprit. Sorry it sounds like I'm anti-phones but um, they do give off this blue light and what that blue light is is very similar to when we look at the sky during the day and that triggers to our brains that it's daylight. And so you can imagine in the evenings when we're sitting with our eyes really focused on a screen that's giving and emitting blue light, our brain doesn't know the difference between normal daylight and that light and so it thinks it's still daylight outside because because you're exposing yourself to this blue light from tv and computer screens so it's definitely something to look at is you can put um, a sort of evening a uh, hue on it and that will make it more of an orange light um, and that actually helps reduce the the blue light exposure that your eyes are having so um, if any of you have sort of like nighttime mode or something on your phones or on your laptops it's where it kind of clicks more down the spectrum towards orange and red colors and that can help reduce that blue light exposure um, definitely turning the lights down in your house can be really great Um, and really just sort of bringing those light levels down as if the Sun was setting um, can really help get you into sort of a relaxed um, uh, sort of ready for sleep state um, that can really help you get a good night's sleep as well. and next change I want to look at is supercharging, um, you know, your environment. So thinking about changing your environment. So I've talked about turning the lights down. Um, one, another factor you want to think about is the bedroom, keeping it cooler. So we naturally, um, you know, like during the day, um, our um, temperature is up. We are usually, you know, um in warm environments and the problem is with self uh, with central heating now is that obviously um, unless you can thermostatically control all the rooms in your house or you can turn the valves down um, our homes are quite warm, quite hot. Um, actually the ideal temperature um, to, to fall asleep is around about 18 degrees and um, having the rest of your house kind of cooler, um, especially your bedroom, can be great because that temperature drop is going to help trigger sleep, it's going to help trigger um, reduction in that. Any of us that have been on holiday to a hot country without air con will know that it's really flipping hard to fall asleep in a room that is like 35 degrees. Um, so we actually need this drop in temperature um, uh, to actually help us um, do that. A really quick trick, obviously, you know, make sure the temperature in your bedroom is lower. So look at those radiate valves, turn that down. But a really neat trick is also to have a warm shower before bed. This dilates the superficial blood vessels in your body and you dissipate some of the heat, um, helping reduce your core body temperature. Then when you get out of the shower, you lose a little bit of heat and that triggers a drop. And so that can really, really help as well. Um, keeping it nice and quiet is also really, really important. Any loud, alarming bangs, shouts, um, noises, a lot of us maybe watch... Um, action films late at night um, all of those screams and shouts and bangs of bombs going off and gunshot and everything is loud and that's slightly alerting and so that's countering what we're actually trying to achieve by going to sleep so even just looking at what you watch in the evenings and thinking about maybe picking some things that are calmer quieter maybe putting some calming music on having a quiet environment can definitely definitely help as well um Another cool trick, um, one that I I love and I talk about a little bit more in the Genius Guide is also aromatherapy. So do do some reading into that because it's really, really powerful. You can actually create a bit of a trigger memory. I know many of us when we were little, we had like a bedtime routine, um, an evening routine. And um, we, you know, we would, um, you know, be bathed in a nice warm bath, maybe with some lavender or some smell of, of, um, you know, bath bubbles and things. And then we would go to sleep and there'd be the smell of our sheets and it would be like, oh, that's so nice. And that would trigger us that smell would trigger us to feel sleepy because we've made an association that it usually preempts us actually going to sleep so when we have these moments where you can use aromatherapy to actually trigger sleep in that way and actually almost like a little bit of a hack um put these little um little um, cues in your environment that actually help you um do that as well so that can form part of your evening routine there's also some useful exercises you know having a warm shower before you go to bed um, you know doing some reading um, maybe meditating using apps like calm headspace all of those kind of things Um, can also help you as well so there's just a few little thoughts Um, I know many of us um, you know it's kind of where do we start with sleep Um, but they're just a few sort of ideas a few sort of thoughts of little things that you can do Um, some key sort of key um, impactful changes that you can make are definitely your sort of your caffeine and the light exposure is definitely another one as well Um, but starts all starts with self-awareness all starts with like acknowledging and recognising some of that brain fog recognising some of those little micro sleeps maybe happening or um, just feeling a little bit irritable or a little bit less empathetic or really tired and achy um, or groggy. Um, these kind of things can all be signs, and uh, if we don't heed them, um, then we're going to get ourselves into a bit of a situation with sleep deprivation. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the news isn't great if we do that. So, um, just a few little things there for you to have a think about, and hopefully help you uh, achieve a little better night's sleep. So, hope you've enjoyed that, guys. Um, really hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for um, letting me uh, chat away about sleep, and hopefully that's been useful for you. I do love interactions, so do jump on drop me some notes in the comments drop me an email you can uh, catch me on instagram or on uh, facebook as well Um, i'd love to hear sort of um, your thoughts and reflections from this uh, episode and also any um, ideas for any future uh, topics you want me to cover um we have a whole host of genius guides in the genius network so i have plenty to go out and plenty of great insights and things to share with you but i'm always all ears to hear what are the topics that you want me to cover as well what would be really useful to you as well um so do check that out and do drop me some comments um, and uh, send me some messages i'd love to hear from you okay guys hope you have a fantastic week and thanks so much for listening Hi everyone, so I'm just here to tell you a little bit more about the Genius Journals. Um, You've probably heard me mention them a few times in the podcast, so I thought I would just give you a bit of an overview of what it's all about. So basically, it is a foundational course in bite-sized manageable daily lessons where I teach you what I call the how skill set. This is a series of tools, skills, insights, and knowledge that's going to help you take an idea and turn it into an executable action. Reason being for this is because I've seen it so many times people go to events and read books and listen to podcasts and go to great lengths to learn loads and loads and loads of things and then never actually implement any of it. So what you'll learn in the journals is exactly how to do this. In addition to that, we've got a wonderful online community, we've got lively video calls, we also do a weekly workshop, and we've just got that group support from a really supportive community of people who are also doing exactly the same thing, um, pursuing their dreams, making change happen, um, and supporting others along the way. So if you're interested at all, click the link in the show notes, and we look forward to meeting you soon.